Welcome to Palkus's Next Gen, the show where we discuss issues related to young Portuguese Americans ranging from 18 years old to 35. Our goal is to ensure that our culture strives by focusing on the achievements of the latest generation, with the hope of discovering their secrets to success and continuing to inspire the Portuguese American community at large. Because in our community, Nosh got next and Nosh got now. Hi, everybody. Today, uh, we have Sofia Almeida, who's a speech pathologist and lives in New York and represents the Portuguese community there, has been very involved uh, in many parts of the community. So we're really glad to have her on today. Uh, hi, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Sofia. Thank you. And our first question uh, is always, you know, what are your Portuguese roots? You know, was it your parents? Is it you? Uh, where, are your, where are your folks from? So my parents are both from the same small little town in Trajemonte in Portugal. Um, we're from Forno do Pinhal to be specific, and it's a small little aldeia, but a lot of people from there actually immigrated to the United States, and we actually have a lot of people here in New York too. So um, actually, so going backwards, so my mom and her parents came here to, Port, uh, to America in, uh, I think my mom was in high school, so I want to say like the 70s-ish maybe, or even the 80s, I'm not sure. Um, and so she did her high school career here and she also went to college here and she became a teacher. And then her, my dad and her were childhood friends and then they got married and that's when my dad came here. And that's when I was born was um, in 95. So that's when all the magic happened. <laughs> but then, um, so it's me and my brother. So we go to Portugal every year, which we're very, very fortunate about. And I feel like that definitely stemmed my love for Portugal and the language and everything. Um, my mom was actually a Portuguese, she still is a Portuguese school teacher in our community. So that definitely helped a ton. And I think, um, I guess the best part about being a daughter of an immigrant is that um, my dad, he he's a construction worker. So a lot of the times in the construction companies, they don't have a need to speak English. So he never, his English, he could speak it, but he just chooses not to. And I feel like that kind of helped me in the situation where like I was forced to learn Portuguese, but you know, and I'm grateful for that because now I feel like my Portuguese is pretty good conversational level and academic level too, because of Portuguese school. So I think all of that really, really helped a lot. So was your mom your, your Portuguese school teacher? Yeah, she was. And for most, so Portuguese school here in Jamaica, Queens was nine years. It still is nine years. And um, I want to say out of the nine years, my mom taught me seven of them. Oh, wow. So you, yeah. <laughs> you had no choice. You were, you were going no matter what, for sure. Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, it was awesome at the same time because like my friends in my class, I'm still friends with now, but like they always came over because it was, my mom's name is Elise. So they're like, oh, let's go to Snira Elise's house. And my mom to this day is still Snira Elise. They will not call her any other name. <laughs> they come over all the, like not when I have my parties, my birthday parties and stuff like that, or like for any events, they'll come over and it's Snira Elise's house. It's the teacher's house. That's it. And it's really cool though, because I feel like that really helped uh, my relationship with my friends and how close we are as well. With with those friends, like um, like people that you went to school with, like in sort of like your, you know, for example, a public school or a charter school, whatever, or is it like just people you met through? like the Portuguese school? Yeah, so I was through Portuguese school because here in New York, you kind of get um, zoned to your school. So if you don't live in the same area, you kind of won't see those people. So 
actually some of some of me and my friends did go to the same elementary school but after elementary school like that was all everyone was everywhere we all went to different schools so, so when you did find somebody who was Portuguese in high school it was like a miracle like oh my goodness when I went to my high school so my high school was middle school and high school and there was two two or three other Portuguese uh, students, but they were all older than me, but they knew who I was and I knew who they were. So it was kind of like, oh, hey, but you didn't know if you should say, hey, cause I was little and they were like, I was probably like uh, in seventh grade and they were seniors. And I was like, I can't talk to them. They're not gonna want to talk to me, but they know who I am and I know who they are. So. <laughs> That's hey, you awesome. Gotta love that, the kind of tight knit aspect. Uh, how, how big is the community in Queens? Because usually, you know, you hear about like Newark, you're not usually hearing yeah. about New York City, but I know there's a big community there. So it was, I want to say back in the day, like when my mom first came over, they, they was huge there. Cause I feel like that was one of the first stops that people would go to because it was so close to JFK airport. So a, a huge, a, a big, I want to say a big portion of the community went there first and a lot of people then immigrated to like Long Island, which is where I am now. But um, across Long Island, we have a ton of communities here. So I think what brings everyone close together, we also have something called NIPAL, which is the New York Portuguese American Leadership Conference. So that kind of unites a lot of the, um, the centers here. So they usually do a lot of big events like the Portugal Day Parade and stuff like that. So that definitely helps bring the community together. But everyone's kind of like, spaced out now I feel like back in the day people felt comfort in living closer together yeah and now that more I guess less people are coming over and more people are spreading their roots here it's like everyone's more spaced out and I feel like I think that's what's the downfall also of like Portuguese schools and stuff like that not as many people are attending because it's after school and it's hard to get to because everybody lives so far now yeah. it's yeah yeah I'm, I'm curious though you know that dynamic like how that influences like, you know, how people are, how the generations are changing and how yeah. like the Portuguese American experience is like obviously manifesting itself in different ways. Yeah. And like, do you feel like um, it's something that, you know, is, is a downfall, like is a detriment or is it something that like, is it just taking a different form now? And, you know, and Portuguese power is still out there, if you will. Like we're still there's still strength and pride and you know in uh, in being Portuguese and, and and the culture, but it just it just looks different. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I think I want to agree with your second um, point. Like I think um, it was I feel like it's been like a wave because like even, I felt like um, our generation is the generation that's changing legit like everything. Like um, I feel like I, when I was younger. Portuguese school was like the only thing you could go to that's the only thing that your parents would let you go to and I speak to a lot of the older people too and they that's what they say like my mom was telling me that the only parties she would go to was when the clubs would have it and when the clubs would have it it wasn't like a sit-down dinner it was just literally music and they said they would pack out the hall so I'm like but then that changed and now it's like sit-down dinners and you can barely get people to go to the parties but then now I feel like like since my mom's the Portuguese school teacher, she's the one who tells me that we get a lot of parents who like one parent is Portuguese and then the other parent is from another culture. So I feel like our generation now is valuing languages. They're valuing being of a different culture. So I feel like it might be going up, but that's just if people find value in it. Like I understand that we're all very, very busy, but 
once you have kids, I feel like it's very important to instill a language and stuff like that. Because yeah. I have a coworker and she's of um, she's Colombian and she has she doesn't have her. I think her children also grew up speaking Spanish, but she has them learning Japanese. And I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like because they find value in speaking another language. And I feel like like that's helped me tremendously in my career. And I feel like our generation is realizing that like we're realizing that we're worldwide now. We it's important to be multicultural and it's important to be bilingual or trilingual, everything, you know, it's very important. I feel like maybe there's going to be going upward and I hope it is because I would love it for my kids, but you know, I don't have them yet, but hopefully it's still around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just wondering like how, how like that dynamic, if at all, it affects like what you do on, you know, sort of a, a daily basis or with the people that you're working with, like if that, you know, how culture is seen and then like sort of like spoken you know what I mean yeah. um and if it sort of influences your work if I'm making sense you know no, I mean? no, it totally makes yeah. it make sense like not just being Portuguese well being Portuguese definitely has helped me I feel like growing up in Queens was very I loved growing up in Queens it was amazing and there's such a big multicultural aspect to that like my at my school we had so many people of different backgrounds at the high school and like most of the kids in Portuguese school too we all had friends of different backgrounds and that with, that's what made us, I want to say, not unique, but like more understanding of different um, cultures. There's something in my field. Uh, so again, I'm a speech language pathologist. And in my field, we have something now called cultural competency. And I feel like that's also becoming a, a very well-known term in that like you have to become aware that there's so many other cultures out there and you have to accept that there's all these differences and welcome all those differences too. So I feel like, so I work in Corona, Queens, which is a very very diverse area it's next to the city field um baseball stadium which is where the Mets play you guys know the Mets right yeah okay so they're <laughs> they're not the Yankees but <laughs> but the Mets so there it's a very diverse field and like my school is a, a bilingual school so we have classrooms where they have bilingual programs and so one day they speak Spanish and another day they speak English so I thought I absolutely love love where I work I just started working there in September and um, being Portuguese has helped me a ton one relating to a lot of different cultures because I feel like the Portuguese culture isn't like it's not like the Latin culture. It's not like, the you know, it, it is European and like, it's a little bit of everything. I And yeah. I think that's what makes it fascinating because we can relate to a lot of different cultures. So um, being Portuguese has helped me with learning Spanish. So I use Spanish on a daily basis there because I service kids that speak Spanish and like the Portuguese, if you can read it and write it, it'll help you tremendously with Spanish. So I ended up minoring in it in college and that's helped me so much. It's helped, it's opened so many doors and putting like trilingual on my resume, oof, that like, everyone loves that, they'll eat it all up. <laughs> but it's yeah, very yeah. good, uh, you know, like, you, and we should be proud of that. Like it helps us know different languages. I even took Italian and it helped with Italian too. Like, it was awesome. Being Portuguese is just, there's so many benefits of it. and. So many people are so intrigued about our culture now and about our country. So it's just, I, I think it's great to mention that. That's my fun fact at college too, by the way. <laughs> that's like, say three things that's, uh, that that you find fascinating about yourself. Number one, I'm Portuguese. Always, I would always say that. <laughs> that's very relatable, it. honestly. I've always done the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm so unique. It's like a unicorn. Like you don't hear about that often. <laughs> right. And so Kind of on that note, uh, so how did you decide to enter the career path that you did? Did you make that choice in high school? And, you know, how did you navigate the whole college process as well? So I wish I had a fascinating story. I really do. So my mom is a special education teacher. And at first I thought. So was mine. Ah, 
are cool. So teachers are fabulous. We give credit to all the teachers, especially now during COVID. I see it. I saw my mom. She put in hours. It wasn't just like an eight to three o'clock. She was putting in hours to like way right. later. And she teaches high school too. So those kids really don't care. They'll text like, miss, I need help with this. And my mom's like, I'm in bed already. And you hear my dad in the background like, Shano <laughs> Sawadish. So then whatever. So my, where was I going? With oh, so my mom, she's a teacher. So she was the one who told me to look into special education. I mean, speech pathology. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Like, it's a, like, it's more, you know, the, you're working more one-on-one with the person. So the treatment is more direct. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll look into it. And then my college had it as a major. And then once I started the, few, the first few classes, I was like, nope, this is it. This is was made for me. As you can see, I love to talk too. So everyone was like, this is perfect for you. I'm like, it doesn't work like that, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, I really, so how, do, how does it work? Okay, so so that's all. Other than being Portuguese, my other passion is being a speech pathologist. So I really do love it. So basically, like um, children who like are delayed in speech, like for example, they speak very late or um, the stuttering. Everyone always thinks about stuttering right away, first off. But like the, I haven't. Out of all the kids I've seen, maybe like I've had three kids that stutter, that's it. But so that's not the most common. The most common is working with kids that are language delayed. So whether they have disorders like autism spectrum disorder or whether they just have a language delay, that's what we're here for. And we also work with adults. So uh, adults who've had um, strokes and they lose language. Um, What else? Like other deficits like um, um, MLS, we work with a lot of patients with that. We work with a lot of patients um, with Alzheimer's. We help with mem- memory. We, we've been like, I think we're like going everywhere. There's always a little help for a, a speech pathologist can literally work anywhere too, like hospitals, nursing homes, schools, private clinics, literally anywhere. I love it. It's awesome. And you work directly with the person. So it's kind of like you see the progress and like you develop a really good relationship with the patients and their family. So it's pretty good. I hope I explained it. <laughs> that was really good. Um, you know, because he's mentioned before sort of cultural competence. And I think I think sometimes the um, the quick thing to, to sort of like jump to when people think of cultural competence, like, oh, I know how to work with Portuguese people because, you know, yeah, this one discrete thing, not knowing like cultural competence. Like there's different things that culture like will touch upon, for example, different dimensions and within the culture and then also, you know, separate, but still make up a person. Right. So, you know, things like race or disability. Um, mm-hmm. And so mentioning, you know, you mentioning the, um, you know, people who have strokes and this, this kind of thing. Like, and I think sometimes like that, what I see, like um, sort of limited experience and going with relatives and everything and, um, and sort of the healthcare system, I think, you know, when you mentioned sort of, um, you know, as someone who's learned, if you will, uh, whatever, I have a couple diplomas on the wall, I guess, uh, somehow I got them. <laughs> but uh, when you mentioned the sort of cultural competence in a very uh, uh, demanding way to sort of point out maybe somewhere you're not feeling like uh, people are being heard or mm-hmm. uh, that people aren't getting the proper care, it's just like a big deal even beyond, you know, right. speech, for example. But and and I think like a lot of times the thing is is like oh, you know, do the, does that person want a translator? Right. <laughs> like I completely agree. And like exactly the what you're saying. Like even though, for example, I think that's the best part about being bilingual too is that it comes with that cultural aspect. But you also need to just because you learned a language doesn't mean that you'll know the culture as well. And I feel like 
that so for example if i were to treat somebody who was portuguese and it's going to be an adult of course i'll take into consideration like what um, meal times are because a lot of the times for us portuguese people like meal times consist of sitting down with your family and talking so it's like taking into consideration all aspects of their life and not everyone could relate to that too and i think that's what's really important like you said the culture culture comes with food language holidays literally everything mm. and I think, have- yeah no, I'm just saying we should all take that into consideration with whoever we're dealing with within whatever field too. Right. I just, you know, I often think of like, um, you know, people with, with strokes, like, uh, you know, within our community. And I think a lot of times I think there's like a barrier to, first of all, just to seek help. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then also like with speech therapy, I think in particular, I think there's a different kind of struggle at the, um, uh Portuguese machismo they call it if you you know what you will uh I mean I think some of that you know sort of influences women I think uh in our community too but that sort of barrier I think um have you experienced have you seen a little bit of that yeah so while I was in grad school I did an internship in um, a hospital in the city but it was in uh, the part of the city where there was a lot of low-income residents and so we got I didn't get the I didn't get to um, work with anybody Portuguese, but however, the Hispanic culture is very similar to ours. And so like, I worked with a lot of males who had strokes and uh, we, you know, in front of their families, they wouldn't want to say anything, but when they were by themselves, I've seen like grown men break down because they're not able to communicate. And, you know, communication is such a big thing that you don't realize how important it is until you lose it you know? Right. And oh, I was mentioning the food thing before, because like, as a speech pathologist, we also work on swallowing. So um, food is a huge part of our culture. And if you can't partake in food, like mealtimes, that's when there's like, you know, people feel bad about that stuff. And that's where we play a role. And I completely agree that, you know, Portuguese people in particular, um, they will not seek um, help right away either. So it's get, it gets very difficult. And, you know, being Portuguese and working with somebody who is Portuguese, maybe that would help them a little bit more, or at least to feel more comfortable in the where they can feel free to ask them their questions rather than them having to take a translator with them, whether it be their daughter or their wife or something like that. You know, I've been in that situation too. And I'm sure like, if, God forbid my dad ever goes through that, of course he's not gonna feel comfortable going to like ask me questions to ask the doctor or I even see my grandma you know my grandma dresses up to go to the doctor still and stuff like or to run errands she always dresses up and it's like um she gets nervous and she's like tries to act proper and I'm like no this is a time we need to ask questions like feel free to ask questions and I always translate everything exactly what the doctor says exactly to her rather than because we also see that too where like the translator that you go with will just like communicate with the doctor and leave the other person aside so I feel like that's also very important too. So it's like being Portuguese is just not like, it's not about the language. It's more about the culture and just like try, cause being in the United States, it's completely different. I mean, if you're from the city in Portugal, like Lisbon and Porto, like it's different. Of course it's gonna, it might be a little bit easier to navigate the world over here. But like most of the time they're coming from, you know the little Aldeias, the little towns. And it's really, it's a big difference. It's, a, it's not, not, I don't want to say a culture shock, but almost like one, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm curious with your, um, you said you worked with Hispanic clients who are like sort of similarly situated and stuff mm-hmm. like, um, and your approach with them is, a, you know, like you sort of like a, like a motivational coach in some ways. Like how, how do you approach like that kind of scenario with like, uh, you know, with a culture that's, you know, maybe very similar to ours? 
Yeah. So it, it's exactly that. You're kind of like just motivating them to do, and you kind of got to get on the level where like, okay, I know you want to communicate with your wife to stop talking so much. So we're going to work on that. We're going to tell her to be quiet. And it's like just motivating them on a level that's more relatable. Like we're not going to work on like silly little things. Like it's more to work on functional needs. Like you want to make sure that they're, it's things that they're going to use every day. And you also, to, I feel like when I speak with my patients, I want them to feel comfortable. So whether they're like eight years old, we'll talk about video games. I don't care. I don't know anything about it, but I'll admit it. I'd be like, I don't even know what Fortnite is. I still don't know what Fortnite is, but I know it's a game. So I'll bring it up every time. And that'll just be a conversation, like a point of conversation. And you just want them to feel at ease. Like you never want them to feel like, oh, this is a professional coming in. I have to respect them. Like, of course, respect is important, but you just want them to feel comfortable. And like, just as I would speak to my dad or my grandfather, I would also speak to them with respect, but also make them feel comfortable. And that this is a uh, like, I, I also speak the same language as you. So you can feel free to uh, ask any questions. I'm more than happy to help. Yeah. And I felt like I, I realized that at the hospital that I was working at that um, still in the medical professional profession, there's still a lot of gaps in translation. So I feel like there needs to be more bilingual set in place for them because a lot of things get lost in translation and they don't feel comfortable ever, ever, ever. So I feel like when they find out that you speak a common language to the patient, then they'll, they're more than happy to cooperate and they feel a lot more relieved. Even the parents of children, like even if they're, if the children speak English, if the parent doesn't speak English and you communicate with them in their language, oh my God, you, it, the parents are so grateful. I worked at a preschool last year and they, they're the parents were so, so grateful when finally someone spoke to them in Spanish, like, and it, but it feels good too. Like you feel like you're, you're not only helping the child, but their family as well. Amazing. Sounds like a very demanding and also very rewarding job that you get, you get to really like see people progress and like develop and get better at what they want mm -hmm. to get better at. Yeah. Um, so what's like one lesson maybe from growing up in a Portuguese household that has helped you immensely in your career? Ooh. I want to say like don't be afraid to make errors because I still make errors in um the Portuguese language and or just mistakes in life you know okay now with the new movie Encanto I mean if we I think we could all really did you guys watch it hold on I have not, I have not gotten it. to it Listen. oh my goodness that okay. lawyer slash law student life is taxing ah so yeah that's why so never mind so but you guys should watch it put it on the most list I mean it's cartoons but whatever so we're, it's been so good because it kind of relates to like the immigrant um family mindset so like your parents moved here and you're expected to do all of these things because of the fact that they moved here and it's not like they expect it but like you kind of hold those values for yourself like okay I need to do really good because my parents you know they came here and it kind of like you need to do better than they did but not in a bad way you know like in a yeah, way I feel that yeah, like this is the base. You got to come up here now, you know? Yeah. So like my mom was a teacher and now like I work in a school too, but I'm like, I'm trying to do a million things too because my mom is so hardworking and I want to be just as hardworking as her. So I feel like as a, um, a daughter of an immigrant, we kind of have to realize that, yeah, we're going to, sometimes we're going to make mistakes, but we'll get there eventually. Like um, whether it be like speaking the language and, you know, you can't be afraid to speak the language because that's the only way you're going to learn. I make mistakes all the time. The verbs, forget about it. Like those, the conjugation sometimes, <laughs> I get lost sometimes, but you got to just keep pushing through. I feel like that's the only way to learn in life. Like you got to go through the mess ups to get to the good parts too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And don't be afraid. Yeah. Just, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're dropping gems. Don't get the limit get in the way. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> No, you know, it's interesting you said, like, you know, uh, that 
you know, we should try to do better than our parents. If you said not in a bad way, I, you know, I think it's so funny because when I listen to, you know, other people that maybe aren't, you know, they're not Portuguese from the different backgrounds, totally different upbringings, this kind of thing, you know, it's hard for me to find in America someone said like, but not, you know, but not in a bad way, but our culture always does that. We always do that. You know what I mean? And I find that so funny. Like, you know, um, like I, I have like uh, people in my family, you know, um, and, you know, I don't, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here, obviously, because I love them too much. But, um, you know, when I went away to college and it was like, well, you know, she's trying to be better than other people. Right. And it's, it's like, as opposed to like, that's, that's something that I just want for myself. Yeah. Like, I, or maybe it's okay also to just like, first of all, want more for your children mm-hmm. and for your children to want to do more in honor for them, in honor of them. You know, right. it's an homage. You know what I mean? I just, I, you know, I, like, I love what you said because it's so, but, but it's so true. And I feel like it's a, there's a certain tension. I think it holds yeah. back sometimes. You know what I mean? No, totally. Oh my God. I totally understand. But I think it's also a generational thing. Hear me sure. out. Like, I feel sure, like sure. our generation, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's social media because social media got the cancel culture. So don't mess with social media. But at the same time, social media also, there's so many platforms to support each other. Like it's a crazy amount. So like, I think it does have to do with generational stuff. Cause I feel like our generation now is more supportive in a way. And then the mm-hmm. generation before us, I feel like it's a little bit harder for them to support. Cause I feel like I don't, I hate using the word jealousy, but sometimes that falls into place. Like in terms of like, oh, like comparing like children, like, oh, look at this person's children. Like, look how good they're doing. I need you to do good too. But mm. I think that generation slowly trying to get away from that because you need to realize like what you're capable of. And that's just good enough too. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But our generation yeah. is so supportive of each other. So, so supportive. And I, so, um, so I made uh, my Portuguese stickers, but small business on the side now. It's called So Sophia Stationery. Um, and there's like amazing group of girls that I've met on, through the social media and we support each other so much. And we don't even, we've never met. Well, some of them we've met because we've done these pop-up markets that I could tell you about because it's so cool. And, yeah. But there's like other girls in other states. There's somebody in Rhode Island actually by, Sean, uh, by Christina. And she, um, we haven't met, but we're always commenting on each other's things. Like, I feel like uh, social media has been really good in that aspect too, where like you're constantly supporting each other. Cause what's the point of bringing somebody down? You want to uplift them. Like what, what are you going to yes. get out of bringing them down? There's more to get out of by uplifting people. And I feel like our generation is really good in that aspect too. We really are a generation of change, to be honest. Yeah. And I think give us, I think give us the name that... again, just real quick though. So, <laughs> give us the name. So Sophia's. So Sophia stationary. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so I think I think part of that too, the, the generational gap there is mm-hmm. something I've heard like referred to as like Aldea mentality of like you have to, you're leaving the Aldea, especially yeah. like for, for those of us whose folks came from like rural parts of Portugal. And because you're leaving and you said you're going to go like to a new country across the ocean, you almost like have this pressure on you to do like more. Right. Whereas we don't have that quite that same pressure, right? Like we grew up in America, we grew up surrounded by so many different cultures, so many different backgrounds. Like we don't necessarily have to prove anything to anybody else but ourselves. Right. And I think, you know, everybody we've interviewed on this podcast, uh, certainly most Portuguese American people I've met in our generation and Portuguese Canadian, uh, happen to have a different mentality. And one that's about like, I'm going to build off of what has been laid down for me through sacrifice. 
And like, mm. that's going to support me when times get tough, but I'm not going to worry about somebody being jealous. I'm not going to put somebody right. else down, like you said. So I think like, especially people like yourself who are doing small business uh, entrepreneurship, for example, a really good example of that. So could you tell us a little bit more about how you got into that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I, COVID, of course, COVID brought about like a lot of like juice yeah. in your head. Like I feel like it got things moving in a lot of people. So I feel like during COVID, I noticed that like, I've always had like that um, entrepreneurial bug in me, like always, like, I, I don't know, it's just something I like. So just like putting out their uh, content and stuff like that. So that came about where like, I noticed I'm like stickers were a thing. Cause of course I'm a speech, hold on. Oh, I don't have it here. So I'm a speech therapist. And so I got a million speech pathologist stickers, bilingual SLP, um, uh, SLP in New York. Like I got so many stickers on my iPad and I was like, wait, there's nothing for Portuguese people at all. So then that's when I started creating stuff like that. I mean, it hasn't picked up a lot of momentum just yet, but like I've been putting out material and it's been really cool so far. Like um, it's very, like a lot of people from different areas in the United States have been buying it. So I feel very, very grateful and I feel supported by so many people. So I'm just going to keep going. You know, it's not something that like I'm living off of, but I really enjoy doing it. And I feel like that's what's most important, you know, because as long as you enjoy doing it, you know, it never gets boring. Um, so then off of that, that's when I became even more involved with our community. Cause you know, I was, no, I'm kidding. I was always involved in the community. I, I love, like, I feel like I don't, I just don't want to lose it for when I have children, you know? So then uh, we created this thing called uh, Portuguese pop-up market. I don't know if you guys heard of it yet, but maybe not. Cause it's only a New York thing. <laughs> so have you guys heard of um, Smorgasburg? for New York no no kind of like um essentially it's just like a food flea market so it's just like food everywhere like different carts and it's really really cool and it's next to like the water in New York City and stuff like that so they have that every week I don't know if they're open now in the winter but usually in the summertime it's open so off of that idea I thought it was really cool to do like pop-up market so first I did it at my club and we did it with food and vendors and that went amazingly so then I reached out to our New York uh, Portuguese community and then there that's when we started organizing more and more so like I always try to reach out to each centers and try to get one young person or one person from their center to help me with it and we just organized kind of like a flea market so we've done it uh, October, November, December. We've done it three times already. And we go to different centers and across New York state and um, everyone, all the small businesses come and they try to promote their businesses. And it's been really, really successful. It's been great. I love like the supporting the, the small business and like uh -huh. supporting Portuguese people, like to the extent of, I think I have like a full drawer, like in my bedroom of, of like Portuguese teas, like Cool. Shout out, shout out Rooster Camisa. And also right now I'm, I might, I may or may not be wearing earrings from Maria Law and Azorian oh, Green Bean. Nice. A PBS, PBS show just, you know, uh, sort of is killing it right now. But um, where, where can people find your stuff? So my stuff is on Instagram and on Etsy. Um, and like the, a lot of the um, small businesses here in New York, they're all over Instagram. So if you follow me, they'll probably, I'll probably have other people tagged on my stuff, but there's so many good people like, I don't even want to name them because I know I'm going to forget them. But if you guys go to uh, Portuguese pop-ups, I think that's the name. Let me just correct myself. But if you go to Portuguese pop-ups, a lot of the information for each of the vendors should be on there too. So, and a lot of people have really good um, things. Like, for example, we have somebody who does um, um, knitting, like uh, these, uh, wow. why am I losing my Crochet? Word? Crochet, yes, crochet, somebody who does candles, somebody who sells makeup products, somebody who sells wreaths, somebody who sells um, um, 
uh, prints of like places in Portugal. So many people, oh, another person sells like really cool tumblers with Portuguese things on it, like a rooster or a heart. Um, there's so many, so many things. Oh my goodness. Everyone's been- Sounds like I need to go to New York. That's what it sounds like. Oh, it's awesome. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, we even have a Shodisa lady. She's amazing too. So she comes, well, she's okay. actually from Newark, but still. <laughs> She's awesome. And everybody comes for her because I guess her ladies and her chorizas and her presuntos, they're all amazing there. And we have a Reina das Forturas too. She comes also from oh, work, but still it's really, really fun. And I think just everyone supporting each other has been great. And it's been, you know, it's been really hard since COVID for a lot of our sensors. I don't know if you guys see the same thing in your community, but at least like the one from Jamaica, Queens, like it, it hit us pretty hard. Like we haven't been able to have a lot of parties or anything because there's not a lot of people coming out to them. Um, I don't know it's been very difficult and I feel like these pop-up markets kind of like you know you could wear your mask come hang out for like a few like an hour or so and then you can leave kind of so and it brings a lot of people different people to our communities like for example people who've never been to the Jamaica the Queens Club before now they're coming um so it just brings awareness to the different centers in our community too and I think everyone should do this at the in, at the different state levels too yeah, I think that pop-ups are such a such a good model for that reason, and because they right. like help introduce our culture everywhere. Right. So, I mean, here in Philly, we had uh, there's two guys who have a I forget the name right now, but they have a pop-up that makes pastej nata caldeira. Like oh, so now, cool. one of them is one of them is from Port is Portuguese. And he's from Newark, and so you know, I saw this and I like drove across town. I was like, oh my god, I gotta go get some. Like, oh. so I think that model is is very good. And have you seen people like from outside the community get more like has it drawn attention? to Portuguese culture, to Portuguese kind of like crafts and food uh, to folks in other communities in Queens. Have you been able to branch out that way? So I haven't gotten to that level yet, but I know that there's a lot of other businesses who have, like we also have um, a business um, in New York City and he, he's he gone to the smorgasbord that I've mentioned, uh, Joey Bats. That, Joey Bats, yeah, I was about to say, I think we reached out to him for, at some point about the podcast too. Yeah, he's cool. And so he's been to, he's like super popular. He's been to Rockefeller Center. Like he's really excelling. He's doing awesome. Um, so there are a few businesses who have been doing really great and are making like themselves well-known. So I think hopefully that's the goal for all of us. And hopefully, I feel like a lot of people are learning more about the Portuguese culture because of people yeah. like us, you know, we kind of like force it on them, but. Um, <laughs> it's nicer if you say ambassadors. <laughs> I like that. That's a nice way to say it. <laughs> We're ambassadors of the Portuguese culture. <laughs> and um, I think like, like I said, like I feel like that's the end goal. And uh, another thing I was gonna mention was that like the pop-up markets are also a twist to like things that are part of the American culture. Like why not right. put a Portuguese twist to it? That's something that we already like yes. and do as Americans and yes. just put a Portuguese spin on it. Yes, I am 1000% with you on this. Yes, yeah. I'm with you. Things that worked before aren't working anymore or we just need to revamp them. And I feel like a lot of centers just need that fresh set of eyes to bring about these kind of events. And, you know, and it kind of stinks because back in the day, it's the direções were just like mostly older people. And like now they're really struggling and, you know, we want to help out, but they, you know, people, it should have been more open back in the day. And like now they're kind of seeing the consequences of it too. But I think um, it takes the right people to come in and take charge, but, and, you know, they just need that leadership. But I think it is hard for our generation too, because we're always like, we have a million and one things to do. Oh, yeah. So it's really hard. I don't know, that balance, I still haven't figured it out, but it just needs to happen. I feel like the, the younger generation need to get more involved in the centers, but it is really, really hard to do that. 
you ever gotten any pushback from people? Because this is a theme that we've heard constantly uh, from younger people involved in communities. Sometimes they want to, you know, just try to be innovative and change things. But, you know, we, we Portuguese often, we get set in our ways. We love habit. We love tradition. Yeah. And yeah. I think people in our generation, we're not trying to get rid of tradition. No, we're just we trying to like bring it to more people in, in different ways that reach them where they're at. So have right. you, have, how have you dealt with that pushback? So um, I have felt that a little bit, but it wasn't like, I have to say that the board of directors at my club have been very supportive of all of my crazy ideas. And they're not crazy. Like you said, it's just revamping it, doing something new, doing something that, you know, relates to the community now. Like, you know, certain things that were done before, it can't be done now, or it, and it just needs to be changed. Like a big point that I've mentioned before is that like, why don't, you know, kids are going to after school programs, they're going to dance, they're going to soccer, they're going to all these things. Why can't our communities just do that and try to put a twist to it like um one thing that i did at my center was do mommy and me classes because moms are going to them but we should have them then at our center so that they can come to our center too so that there's a cultural aspect to it so a lot of the um younger crowd at my center my friends who have children they came to these events and um they really enjoyed it and so i feel like that's also something that we should be broadening across a lot of centers but i definitely felt the pushback not from the board of the directors but members of the community and it's always like i don't even it gets me upset yeah. about it because you know, it, yes. I don't want it to discourage yes. me. A lot of times it doesn't discourage me, but it's always in the back of my mind. Cause it's like, sometimes it's like, I I'm gonna keep going, but it annoys me that you don't agree with what I'm doing. And it's always people who don't do anything. So it's kind of like very frustrating, but there's so many people who support it and are very supportive and they're appreciative. So I feel like that outweighs the one bad person that, you know, makes the comments. Like what you're doing is just like, so incredible and i know if you're like even if you're receiving pushback i hope you just like keep doing it um because our culture needs it mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Definitely. in a way that i think that i think it's really hard to put into words just how much we need it and yeah. and um just speaking generally right about like um you know some taking that something that's american or something and putting a twist on it mm -hmm. like um and i don't know if if this is common in other people's families and stuff like this but like my family you know, my grandmother went out like when we were young, uh, we'd have like Halloween, right? Um, mm. Big into holidays. I'm like super extra with holidays. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's like pretty insane. But um, like the entire like neighborhood would come over. Many of them like that weren't Portuguese mm. would come over for like Molasadas because that's what she would give out on Halloween. Like oh, in addition to candy. That was so cool. That is it was like it was like one of the most amazing experiences. And I still to this day, like now you know, my grandmother, she, she has dementia, so she's not like making, um, you know, massages for everybody and every, and all this right. stuff. But, uh, but I'm like, even though, you know, I, my cooking hand is just not great. Like it's a situation. <laughs> uh, I learned very little, uh, just enough to get by. But um, in terms of like, like, like for me, holiday for Halloween, like I go and I'm extra about it and I get like ridiculous amount like I get full size candy bars I get you know glow sticks and stuff like this because because of how much it meant to me like back then because of that Portuguese twist even though I'm not necessarily bringing you know I'm bringing myself and I'm you know this is full-blooded what you're looking at here it's, you know uh but I'm just saying like you know what I mean like I, I think like uh that but that connection is so deep and right. like those memories and everything and just how much it means and obviously this is in America you know what I mean I yeah. 
I wasn't in Portugal when this was, was happening, you know, with Halloween and everything. Um, yeah. But I think like, you know, that's sort of an extreme version because now it looks like something totally different in my household. Mm -hmm. But um, but I do think like um, there's there's different ways in which that can manifest and it can, you know, it can bring people around, not only like within our own community and feel like so deeply connected, but also like branch out, like who's not trying to try like, you know, hey, this doughboy thing. Yeah, sure. I'm down. <laughs> I'm not eating, you know, I'm, I'm sick of eating chocolate, okay, you know, and then the whole, the whole neighborhood gets down, and, and everybody, yeah. you know, sort of knows this person, and, and yeah. you know, for whatever, it makes the neighborhood, the community feel more connected, even if it's not necessarily within this, you know, very small room where people are, you know, pushing back, you yeah. know what I mean, sometimes I feel like I know people get discouraged in this, we can't in like different spaces, because, because, you know, like, if there's 10 people in a room, and two people aren't, are like, this is a, uh, a poor idea yeah uh, let me just say that uh then it can sort of feel like super discouraging but i hope i hope you keep going uh you know because yeah. because our you know, culture I, needs it yeah, yeah i feel like i get uh i get a lot of motivation from other people who are showing a lot of leadership that are doing things that people don't want to do and but you see them doing it anyways you know like and i feel like our portuguese community you know we need more leaders and it's hard to get them because like i said everyone's busy of course but no one wants to do the hard work but there is a lot of work that goes into uh, making things happen you know and people get upset and they say mean things but you know at the end of the day you got to do it for you and your love and your passion of like in this case being portuguese like you like you said it can't you can't let it discourage you but you know it does build up after a while you know and it's just you need to find that group of people that's going to support you and help you do you know execute your crazy ideas because at the end of the day they're not crazy and they end up working and you just mm. need that support and at the end of after everything happens you'll see how awesome it is because there'll be people who will congratulate you and those people are very important too the people who the you don't th you don't see it coming and then when they tell you like no you did a good job that's the people that matter you you don't those people are the most important i feel because you don't re you don't realize how the difference you make in any type of career in any culture until somebody points it out and we need yeah. more people like that too but our generation's getting there we're 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 there we're there yeah that's a that's a great plug you know needing the support and from that group of people i feel like that's that's next gen yeah, yeah I, was, I was just about to say that, like, that's why I think having groups like Palkas, having NextGen, having, I imagine, NY Palkas is like this, too, um, is so important. Definitely. And what, what tips would you give to people in other states who want to start something similar, like partnerships with small businesses? I think just reaching out. I'm not afraid to reach out. <laughs> like, and I think that's why um, the pop-up markets, like I will reach out to so many people. And I think some people are just afraid to try to connect with others. And I feel like you just have to push that barrier. What's the worst that can happen? They're going to say no. And I think that's why sometimes I'll like, I have all these ideas. My brain is, I feel like I don't sleep at night because I feel like I have so many things that I want to do. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to pitch it. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, whatever. But I feel like being vocal, again, you could see that I talk a lot. So I feel like um, I, it's just who I am. And I feel like I just need to hear myself say the idea out loud. And if people want to support the idea, they will. If not, continue executing it. I don't think anyone should be afraid of trying to do something good for their community. I think, and maybe our generation is like that too. We're very, um, like we overthink a lot and we're very doubtful too. 
Like I feel, and I'm, I'm very much overthinker. Like I, and I doubt myself a million times and I have, I, I always feel guilty about something. I don't know why I'm like, Oh, I left this person out. Oh my God. I feel so bad. Like I'm, I've always been like that. And, you know, like, and that's not bad to be an overthinker. It's not bad to, um, you know, be apologetic about things, but I feel like in order for things to get done, just put yourself out there. I think that's the most important thing. Because a lot of the times um, our board of directors at the centers, I think they do need a lot of help and they don't want to ask for it, maybe. Or like they do ask for it or they ask the wrong. I, I don't know what it is, to be honest, but they need it. And I feel like a lot of our generation needs to just put themselves out there and don't be afraid to be like, OK, I can only commit once a month or OK, I can only do this much. But like be vocal about it. Like don't commit yourself and then you can't do it. But I think Ghost. Yeah, I, but I think at this point yeah. they really need people. I really think so, and I feel like the more help, the merrier. And like, if the the thing is, and I always tell people this, I'm like, if we get so much people, you could just assign little roles, and I feel like that'll make everyone right. feel a lot easier. But if you don't have a good group of people, it gets really hard, and then some people end up doing more than another person, and it does get hard. So I feel like we just need a lot more volunteers, a lot more leaders. There's always room for leaders, always. You know, you, you mentioned the uh, like overthinking and, you know, you sort of said it for yourself, but uh, both Andrew and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, if I'm really neurotic, yeah, you know, if, 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 if the neurosis isn't, uh, isn't shared, but. Uh, oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> that's, that's, what I, that's what I suspected. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I was recently listening to a podcast, um, someone who's involved with Palkis and uh, sort of involved she she really is uh you know doing doing the most um uh angela costa Simoish and and she um was doing a, a podcast with again um maria law and, and they and they spoke with this like um now of course i went to get i think it was a psychiatrist or um psychologist i, I forget now exact the exact title but they they spoke a little bit about um and it was in the context of covid mm. and how like um you know, the joke was sort of like, um, our Portuguese parents have been preparing us for this our entire lives. And sort of like this, this <laughs> certain, um, and what she would call like sort of anxiety and this kind of thing. And, and she was talking about it in the, the context of sort of the, the history and the political, um, you know, uh, underscore of which like many of our, uh, I guess our older generation, um, you know, sort of lived under and, and and that they brought that with them and it sort of uh, funneled its way into our into our beings, I guess is the the shortened version of uh I'm not great with science. Listen, that's that's what I took away from the, the <laughs> podcast. But uh, I don't know if you see I don't know if you see that as a speech pathologist. <laughs> 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 no, this is a, uh, no, no. <laughs> no, but I definitely agree. Like, I never thought about it like that. Like, our parents have been preparing us for COVID. It actually makes sense. No. It's true. Yeah, I never, I never, I never would have crossed my mind either. But yeah. now that I think about it, wow. Yeah, yeah. Once you, once they started outlining that, it was like a like a BuzzFeed article that you can't stop. You're like, oh wow, <laughs> all of the all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, you're totally right. I totally agree with that. It, yeah, I could see that. The overthinking, definitely, I'm definitely guilty of that because I feel like I also because we have so many family members and so many opinions. So, you know, it's kind of just engraved in your head. And I, I, yeah, I, I, I like to consider a lot of people's opinions, which could be good and bad. And that's what harms me as an overthinker because I'm always thinking about how everyone else feels too. But 
I think the, our generation, I keep talking about our generation, but our generation, we're like, I think we're on two different fields. Like one side is like overthinking. And then the other side is more like, I'm aware about myself. I don't care anymore, you know? And I think we need to get to a happy medium. <laughs> so, or at least I do. Cause I'm like, oh no, I can't keep going like this. I have to think about myself sometimes too. Yeah, so I feel, how, it. How long I feel it on been? so many levels. <laughs> yeah. How long how long have you been like um like in the field? Oh, like not long at all. Let me think. Yeah. I want to say this is my third year. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I so for Amazing. speech you have to do your master's. So I finished my master's in right before COVID in 2019. And then I started mm. working and then COVID happened in January. Or fe- no, well, what am I saying? February, March, March. March, March. March. <laughs> So most of my career was in COVID. <laughs> so that's a whole other skill set right there. You see? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did getting- that dynamic play out like with, with COVID? Like um, it was hard. Um, in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is nice slipping in. Woohoo. But like after a while, I'm like, wait, I can't do this. Cause like uh, again, I was working in a preschool at the time, and like these kids are just like running past zero. <laughs> zero. I'm like, oh, let's play music. And some of them would could sit there and like be entertained. I felt like I was kind of like a TV show at this point. I was like, oh, what's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. And you're going to laugh because speech therapy. So every half an hour, I was seeing the kid, bing, 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 like that. And like, I would get real creative. You know, I'm giving myself props. Like I went to my backyard, yeah. had a picnic one day. Like we did so many things. You had to get real creative because I was working with kids from three to five. So like you really have to right. put on a whole show for them. It's like a whole production at this point. I would have things like in the background. I, it was fabulous. It was great. We made food. We, it was, uh, I, I liked it, but then after a while it did get tiring. And then like, once we were in that middle stage where like some kids were going to school, some kids were staying home, that got difficult too. I don't know. I feel like ultimately education needs to be in person. It gets really hard virtually. Yeah. Some kids benefit from it. Don't get me wrong. Like the older you are, the better it is. But for the young ones and then student uh, children with disorders and stuff like that, it could get very difficult. But I have to say though, I grew a, like such a good relationship with the families. And that's when I, like, I thought the field was so rewarding because the families were so supportive. Oh my goodness. And they actually got to see what we did. And a lot of the families, like immigrant families, I don't think sometimes they realize like how important things are until like they're fully in it. And like those parents were even more grateful. Like they saw how much their children were progressing. They learned skills to do with their children because a lot of the times, like for example, speech therapy is a lot of play-based activities. So like, I'm just playing with them. And in someone else's eyes, I'm just playing. I'm not doing anything. But in reality, you're working on their language because it's all input, input, input. So it was, it was rewarding, but after a while I was like, no, we got it. And I'm a social person. So I'm like, I can't do this. Like I was talking to my mom every day and like the whole family and then my grandma would come. So my grandma, just imagine a Portuguese grandma. She'd like look over the computer. <laughs> oh, how cute. I'm like, oh, hello. But she would love it. She got a kick out of it. So my mom was teaching too. And my grandma would hear them. And she was like, I move this. She would just say that all the time. Because like the kids, if they got something wrong, she'd be like, I move this. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty funny though. <laughs> so does but, your grandma live with you guys? So I don't know. Maybe this is just my family, but I think it happens in a lot. So my grandma travels between houses. So she has my house and my aunt's house. So she'll be here like two weeks and then she'll go to my aunt's house for two weeks and then she'll come back two weeks and keep going back and forth. I love that. But 
she um so she has a, like a really cool story so she uh, was born in portugal and then when she married my grandfather they were living in angola so angola at the time was like a portuguese community um no colony, portuguese right. colony yeah and so my grandfather he built a huge business down there and then afterwards a civil war broke out and they had to flee to portugal but my grandpa was like oh no we're just going on summer vacation we'll be back and they never went back because everything got destroyed it was sad but they had to start all over and then that's when my grandpa he wanted to come to america because america was where it was at at the time then he came here and then my mom came here and then my grandma came everybody came and then once my mom was in college that's when they're like all right peace out and they went back to portugal and then my grandma afterwards my grandfather passed away like years later and she didn't like being by herself so she came here but it's been like amazing to be honest like i feel like i grew a really good relationship with her which also helps me in my Portuguese. But she's like so modern. Like she's like the funniest person ever. She loves to go everywhere. Like before I was like, okay, I'm going to run to Dollar Tree. I'll be back. She's like, no, 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 I want to go. And then she, I don't know in her head, um, she was, I don't know where she thought we were going. She's like, oh, I want to buy these shirts. And I'm like, we're going to Dollar Tree. They don't have that there. What are you talking about? She's like, oh, and I just want to stay in the car. I'm like, no, just come. But she's like, she's really, really funny. I get a kick out of her. So now she's trying to learn a little bit of English. So we'll take her to the doctor. She's like, hi, how are you? And then the doctor will say, good. And she's like, good, good. And then she'll, she'll know like very little things. Very yeah, little. Like, she's funny. There, I live with my grandparents in undergrad. Uh, I went to McGill up in Montreal. And so I live with my mom's parents. Oh, my dad's parents were just right, right, a, like quick metro right away. Awesome. But like, I totally relate to that experience of like, you know, going places with them or like showing them new things or trying yeah. different cuisines that they would never have tried. Totally. Um, oh, I think that was the best part is like taking, I would take my grandma everywhere. We went to do nails, like things that they normally don't do. And then it's like, right, a right. for them. Yeah. No, and like, so I think one of the, like you were saying, like sometimes they happen to be so modern too. Like my grandparents have been watching obsessively. What is that show? I think it's like the, the Portuguese big brother or whatever. Oh. They're like, they're like, oh, this this person's going off this week. I'm like, you guys watch more reality TV than yeah. I do. Oh my God, so true. Okay, funny story now. This is the most hilarious thing my grandma did recently. So my grandma's new thing is that when she gets to, like she goes to Portugal for like three months in the summer, like May and comes back in like September. So she'll get back. She's like, you know, Sabj, everybody, when, and when they land, they always turn on their phones and they call people. And I don't have a cell phone. I don't have anybody to call. I was like, are you, for so she wanted a cell phone for that. Yeah. We got her a cell phone. She hasn't used it yet. I think she's- Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah, God. I have grand I have multiple grandparents who are in the same boat. Like, <laughs> my grandma has a cell phone, has never touched it. Yeah, no. But she's on Facebook. So we made it somewhere. That's she big. That's big. Oh my goodness. But then, like, I'll go through it every once in a while, and I'll see she'll me message, like, random people. And I'm like, <laughs> and she messages the way she talks. Like, hola, Maria. Como está tudo? Eu estou bem. Same. <laughs> I'm like, my grandma will send like gifs and stuff. And I'm like, dang, wow. <laughs> well, your grandma's better than mine. My grandma's not into that level yet. Or she'll ask me, she's like, oh, this person posted it. Can I, can you show me how to put it on mine? And I was like, okay, you yep. do this and this. But somehow she like manages to, everything just goes haywire. I, she has an iPad that she'll use. She loves Oh yeah, it. my grandparents are always on their iPads. Oh my God. Yes. I think that was the best gift ever given to them in the world, honestly. But she's really cute. I, I am very grateful that she's here. And I, I think to have those experiences with them, I think is very unique, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
And I think, like, I think all of us have touched on this, how that really bridges, like, we're talking a lot about our generation and their yeah. generation, how there were differences. But at the end of the day, like, whether it be handing out Melissa Savage on Halloween or, like, using an iPad, uh, yeah. there are all these, like, really clever and, like, interesting manifold ways that they can connect mm-hmm. with us. And I think that's another project that NextGen tries to, to advance is, like, how, especially yeah. me, like, I'm very big on this. How can we bridge those gaps? And how can we use that to make us stronger, like, going forward as a community? Yeah, I agree. Actually, you just like had gave me a light bulb moment. Like it'd be really cool. Like my Aldea over there, they have this new program for people of the tercera edad. I don't know how you translate that support. I mean English, but like elderly, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So they have this cool program where they get all of the elderly from the each town. Like a bus goes to pick them up. They take them to this big location. And I think it's like twice a week. And they do different activities each time. Like something one time they had like a firefighter come and they explained like how you shouldn't open the door to just anybody, like any fire hazards. Another uh, most of the time they have gymnastics and they do like simple exercises, like moving their arms, whatever. My grandma does swimming. Uh, she, oh, was wow. me, she was like can you get me a baby so I was like oh I don't know what kind you want and then my grandma she lost my other grandma she, both of them don't have their husbands anymore but my other grandma still wears only black so she's like the baby suit has to be black and I'm like okay I got you no problem and they need swimming shoes it's so cute I really think it's like the best my grandma looks forward to it every week like now they have um Christmas break so they don't have it right now but they have like I think it's such a good program and I think it's something that we should do here I don't know yeah. I feel like but I know it gets hard because like, and I see this with my grandma here is that we get so busy with our lives that I forget that my grandma hasn't left the house and like God knows how long because she kind of can't get around without us like she could walk down the block she goes for walks and stuff but it's really hard for her to go to stores and communicate with the people there and things you know so I feel like mm-hmm. now she's kind of being a little bit more forgetful so I feel like um, I feel like we need more programs for the elderly just for them to socialize. I feel like socializing is such a big yeah. aspect and COVID even made that even worse, I think. Yeah. So maybe we yeah. can get that at one point, like exactly what you said, bridging the generations, maybe even through that, like giving college experience to um, like undergrads to go and work with the elderly. Cause my new thing is like explaining to the kids, like kids who left Portuguese school and like are in like senior year of high school, early college, like volunteer experience is great. Volunteer centers. We will give you a letter of recommendation. Like that works. I've written two letters of recommendation already. And I tell them how valuable it is. Like, um, did you guys go to Portuguese school by any chance? I did, I did go to Portuguese school, but it was, it was a, it was a short stint. You know, I got to, I got to the, the Christmas party, you know, I did my, uh, you know, my Felicia Natal and uh, Noite de Felicia. I did, you know, that's about as far as I got, you know, uh, I probably learned more playing Uno, you know, with my grandma. I always, I always say this, but it's true. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It, it was a different experience for me. I, you know, I went to um, Portuguese school in Fall River, like sort of uh, downtown and, uh the way the way it was sort of like conducted I mean the, we were like young and there was like yeah paper airplanes and spitballs and I was like I just think, not I, I was a very goody two-shoe back in the day uh, believe yeah. it or not believe it or not <laughs> so I was I was like this is not for me like uh yeah I'm not you know I, so but I, yeah but my grandma also like learns learned some English that way with the, the uno so uh, I, I hi, highly recommend highly recommend you know yeah. now now I don't know how much uh you know has retained but nevertheless <laughs> it, was a, it was a good time while it lasted for sure yeah, the reason I was asking was because like through Portuguese school. So once I graduated in the ninth grade, um, they were there was like this test that they finally got recently through one of the oh um 
I don't know his name, but he's part of the education of Portuguese, of learning Portuguese in, in countries other than Portugal. So he works mm-hmm. with the United States very frequently. And there's this new test that you could take and um, you get college credit for it. Like, right. yeah, I've heard of University this. of Lisbon. So I got that. And like, I put that on my resume and it's, I think like some, some of those, some of the kids in Portuguese school ask like, oh, what's the point of taking the test? I'm like, no, it's very important. Like it's an extra detail on your resume. And some people do ask you about it too. Like it's a, it's a test given or from the University of Lisbon. Like that's a big deal. Um, but back to what you were saying, you were saying that uh, Portuguese school some was like paper airplanes. So like, I felt like the Portuguese school, maybe they need people that are more highly qualified to teach it too. Like my mom's a teacher, so she, she knows classroom management. I feel like that's a huge component. And, you know, sometimes you got to pay them a little bit extra, the teachers, but I feel like it's worth it because then they're learning more. Like you need that classroom control too. So I feel like that would probably have benefited a lot of children, maybe in your Portuguese. I mean, I don't know how your teachers were, but I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it was was only one. I mean, to be fair, you know what I mean? Like uh, maybe it wasn't so like outlet, but of course I I was super good at teachers. Like when I mean like really, really good kid back in the days. You had to go back far, but it was, it's true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Listen. I feel like I, I kind of had to be good because of my mom. Right. Yep. That's fair. I, I still talked a lot and I would get so much trouble for that. Oh my goodness. My mom would, you know, the look that they give you? Nobody would notice my mom giving me the look, but I would notice because I would be talking and then I look at her like, ha ha ha. And then she'd give me the look and I'm like, okay, it's time to be quiet. Yeah, I, I went I still, to elementary I still school. Get that my look. mom was a teacher. Mom was a para at the elementary school I went to. So like, I always oh my knew goodness. you had to be like on your feet, yeah. couldn't do anything. <laughs> oh mom God. would know about it before you could tell her your story. Yeah. Oh my God, it's worse than me then. She was there like 24 seven then almost. She <laughs> wasn't like in my classroom or anything, right. but like. I, I also was always talking, so like she always got word of it. Yeah, exactly. Just knowing that your mom, people know your mom and it could get back to your mom. I feel like right. that, that's tough part. <laughs> so kind of on, on that note, talking about like childhood or, and, and younger people, do you have any advice that you would give? I know you've given a lot of great advice already, but is there any mm-hmm. other tip to kind of round things up and, and that would like put a bow on it all, I guess? And I feel like- I feel like um, a lot of people should use the, their passions that they love already. Like whether it doesn't have to be about the Portuguese culture, but like find your passion and like use that to guide you in everything you do and let it, let that apply to your culture too. Cause I feel like if you love, if you have something that you love already, put it towards something that could, that also influences your life. So use that to drive you and to motivate you. And um, I guess one thing, another thing that I'm guilty of too, is like overworking myself. I feel like uh, our generation is very much like that. And I feel like we need to remember that we should also have fun and like enjoy the little things in life, like whether it be traveling to Portugal, you know, spending time with family. And I think a lot of us realize that during COVID too, like you you don't realize how much you're missing out on until you kind of force yourself to stop, which is what COVID did. It forced all of us to just stop and take a breather. And I think a lot of us needed that, including myself. I needed that, you know, stop in like the whole fast paced living. Um, in New York, it's like that. So it's like, I, and I feel like the United States is like that. Like we all have this, um, mode in us that like, we have to work, 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 work. And it's not always like that. And I feel like we need to enjoy that. And, you know, apply that to more aspects in our lives. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sophia. It's been, it's been awesome uh, speaking with you and uh, getting to learn a little bit about 
you know, sort of what you do and just who you are as a person. And I just, I love how you're an ambassador for our culture. Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> no, thank you guys so much. I had so much fun talking with you guys. Thank you for having me. Take care, guys. And, and if you could give one more shout out to your your brands just so that people oh, can yeah, find sure. it, or maybe like send yeah. us a link and we can post that on the in the description. Sure. So my Instagram yeah. is so Sophia Stationary. You can follow me on there for any stickers or stationary needs, and I'll also send you the link. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this week's Palkus's Next Gen. This week's podcast was brought to you by Palkus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. You can find this episode on iTunes, palkus.org, Amazon Music, and any place where podcasts can be found. The Next Gen logo is designed by Silveira Designs. This podcast is produced by Aaron Homem, with post-production by Scott Donnell of Run and Drum Media and original theme music by Pedro H. Da Silva. 